Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Jessie Neeland, and this is not about your body. So I have been thinking about very particularly women who do the maximum beauty work, which at this point, honestly, like, what does that even mean? But I think you kind of get a sense of what I mean by maximum beauty work, beauty work being any amount of effort, labor, time, money that goes into trying to get closer to the cultural beauty ideals. Right. So, you know, this used to mean like in the 90s, it meant you twist your eyebrows and you wore like frosted lip gloss and you got your hair cut into a little uh, Rachel kind of uh, shoulder length bob situation. And that was pretty much it. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know, body glitter, like it was all very superficial, all things considered and very cute to look back on. Um, but it has morphed so dramatically in the last like, decade and now beauty work is something else entirely because the you know the quality and uh, accessibility of the technology of makeup the technology of things like fillers the technology has improved in so many ways for like hair care and uh, basically you can kind of everybody can look as homogenous as they want up until a, a certain degree and the beauty work at this point to to maximum beauty work is like what we see among really young celebrities not all of them obviously but you know if you think like the kardashians right there they are maximum beauty work insofar as they are taking it to such an extreme such a hyperbolic place like making use of all of the technology that beauty work can include because they have all of the money to do it and all of the incentive because I mean, it's it's their brand, you know, um, so they will do all of these little things and those little things add up. So it's things like, you know, changing their hairlines, um, which you wouldn't necessarily think to yourself, oh, I bet they've had their hairline changed. But it does give them all a very homogenous look and dermaplaning, which is where you like get rid of all the baby hairs on your face so that there's like a perfectly smooth surface upon which to apply makeup. Um, you know, dermaplaning and and things like chemical peels or um, I don't know, any number of treatments that they can get to their skin that including the sort of products like skincare stuff, eye cream, uh, hydrating, whatever, right? Like all serums, all of these things that cost tons of money and the more effective they are, the more money they cost typically. So someone like, you know, a Kardashian has access to all of those things at the top quality and effectiveness tier on account of the fact that they have all the money and all of the incentives. So maximum beauty work includes a lot more now than it used to. Um, you know, you can you can get the glam squad or whatever, which is like this, I don't know if it's a universal thing or what, but like in the big cities, you can just basically have a team of people come to your apartment and do you over for just like a regular day or night, you know? Um, kind of like how it used to just be for a wedding and you hired like a makeup artist or a photo shoot, you hired a makeup artist, basically just makeup artists for day to day life if you want them. Um, and they'll they'll do everything right. They'll do like manis and petties and they'll blow your hair out and uh, whatever you want, do your makeup. So it's it's this whole beauty work scene that is powered entirely by money, because what regular person has the money to hire a glam squad? Um, outside of like a special day, like the wedding or the photo shoot kind of day, like nobody, right? So instead, a lot of women will spend their money on things like manis and petties and the makeup from, 
you know, Sephora or wherever, and they'll get their hair blown out maybe occasionally or just when they get their hair cut. Maybe they get highlights and maybe they get, um, you know, like, I don't know, microdermabrasion or something like that occasionally. And that's, you know, that's like as far as they can go, not necessarily because that's as far as they want to go, but because time and money and practicality sort of get in the way, right? Like there's a, there's a limitation there. For someone like a Kardashian, there's no limitation whatsoever. The only limitation is once it starts to look unnatural or they get pushed back or whatever. So all of the things like facial fillers, for example, become reasonable. And we see that among a lot of the young celebs, especially, you know, in certain TV shows where or, you know, the sort of Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise, we see a lot of those young women who are just, you know, already pretty homogeneously beautiful. Um, they leave the, the franchise or they leave the show, I should say, and they start changing their, their faces, start changing. They start having more sculpted cheekbones and they start having more defined, you know, heart-shaped faces, which again is sort of a hairline thing. It's also a chin sculpting thing or a jawline and chin sculpting thing. Um, one of my absolute favorite Bachelorette contestants, which you can judge me all you want for watching The Bachelorette, I don't care. Um, Caitlin is just, oh my God, I watched her season and I was so, I had such a crush on her. She was just so funny and so adorable. And now she is unrecognizable. And it's like, well, I don't know about unrecognizable, but she looks totally different and she's lost a lot of the unique adorableness in her face and a lot of the expressiveness in her face because of, you know, I have to assume things like Botox, but like, you know, it sort of bums me out because I'm like, oh my God, Caitlin was so cute and so expressive and so just wonderful and captivating to watch. And now, and now she just sort of looks like everyone else in a way, like she has that sort of homogenous filler look. Um, and this is something we see a lot. The uniqueness is totally stripped away when you do all of this beauty work. Like you could have your unique eyebrows and then get them micro, microbladed or whatever to look like the, the new trendy big full brow. And now that bit of unique detail about your face is gone and replaced with the sort of cultural ideal of the moment. And likewise, um, things like contouring, uh, at the sort of most affordable or fillers at the most expensive, they allow you to change the shape of your face and take away some of its uniqueness and and push it towards that cultural ideal of like angular and heart shaped, um, you know, with cheekbones that pop and look like there's like sort of a hollow and a shadow underneath them and a jawline that is sleek and uh, all these things. They all move a person's unique facial qualities towards a homogenous, you know, ideal, which is a huge bummer. I think if we kind of zoom back for a second and think about all of the wonderful uniqueness, it would be like if every tree or every flower started looking exactly the same, like because they all wanted to meet some tree or flower ideal, we would just miss out on the, the diversity, the, the sort of pleasurable experience of diversity. You know, we look out at a forest and if it was a thousand homogenous, exact looking trees, it wouldn't be as pleasurable as it would be to look at, uh, you know, the nature in it, all of its unique glory. And likewise, like a flower garden, if every single flower was the same, we would be like, huh, that's a little pleasant, Billy and creepy. Um, we probably would not get the same amount of pleasure as looking at like a naturally grown garden, right? 
Now, just to like pause for a second and say, nobody is entitled to pleasure by looking at another person. So it's not like I'm trying to argue that you shouldn't get any of these things done or do any of these um, bits of beauty work, because frankly, everyone has total body autonomy and gets to do whatever the hell they want. So this is in no way a judgment, right? In no way a judgment of any individual, just observing the pattern, just zooming back and thinking about what this pattern means to us as a species. Um, because A, it means that everybody with enough money and incentive gets to look homogenous, whereas people who don't have that money and incentive keep their unique look, whether or not they're happy about it. Um, they maintain more of a uh, natural look just because of the limitations that are inherent in this being a, a money-making industry. Um, but also, you know, it's just that bizarre thought experiment of like, yeah, what if everybody had the money? what would happen? <laughs> so many more people would move towards this homogenous, non-expressive place. And what would that do to our brains? Now, frankly, I'm just super curious about all this stuff. I think beauty work is really interesting, especially when we get into the level of like beyond hair and makeup and into the level of things like um, all of the fillers, which can quite literally totally overhaul a person's um, face. I've been looking into this a lot lately, just learning a lot about, for example, there's like a feminization filler uh, plan where basically the assumption would be that a woman would go to a person who does this work and the person who does this work would say, let's fix all of the asymmetries in your face and let's balance your face and enhance your beauty. And that's sort of the whole deal because at this point, the entire industry is based on trying to look naturally beauty beautiful or whatever which is to say more stereotypically feminine more close to the the ideal the cultural beauty ideal and so from that place they maybe start getting things like um the sculpted jawline the chin injections the nose injections to make their nose look a little different the botox around you know crow's feet and frown lines and all of these things and then cheekbone fillers just to plump those up a little bit. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on, right? There's so many things. And all of that is designed to make a person's face look more feminine, which you can also think like transgender folks, like a transgender woman, if, if she had enough money, could go forth and do all of this feminizing facial work and without ever getting like a surgery, because this is just injection based. This isn't even, we're not even talking about cosmetic surgery. Um, they could go forth and get this done and, and be able to, quote unquote, pass more as a cisgender woman. Basically, they, they would look more feminine, according to our, you know, sort of biases and stereotypical um, assumptions about what a feminine face is. And the only thing that makes that possible is money, money and investment, I guess, you know, uh, investment of time and energy. So a person in that position without money essentially just has to maintain a more conventionally masculine face. Whereas a person in that position with enough money could go forth and feminize their face. And this is a super interesting thing to think about, both because I didn't know there was a feminization process for the face, but it's been pretty nailed down by people in the injection industry. Um, and I've been like reading about this so much because I think it's so interesting. The difference in how men get injected versus women. And there is no like non-binary injection because what would that even mean? Beauty ideals are binary. They are a 
according to the gender binary. You either want to look more feminine or more masculine. There is no other path for you. So in terms of masculine injections, a lot of it comes down to, you know, sort of the ratios of the face being less heart-like and more of that like mid-jawline kind of chiseled look, like super angular cheekbones, super angular jawline, pumping up the little edges of the jawline to make that square, um, adding to the chin to give them a stronger jawline, adding to the nose to give them a stronger sort of Roman looking nose or forehead brow kind of look. So there's a masculinization filler path as well. And I just, I just find this fascinating. I just can't get enough. I think it's so, so interesting. And even the way that they inject men with Botox versus women, because women are often looking for that sort of perfectly smooth, poreless, wrinkleless look, whereas that limits um, expression, you know, like you, you can't wrinkle your forehead with Botox because the muscles don't they don't go, they don't, they're paralyzed. Whereas men prefer generally to keep a little bit more of that texture on their face because it's considered masculine to both be able to move your forehead and to see the lines from moving your forehead. Which honestly, if you really think about the implications here, this is totally not what I was going to make my podcast about today. But like, oh my God, how weird is it that it's like completely acceptable for women to be non-expressive, that part of our beauty ideal is non-expression? Whereas for men, that would be considered bizarre. And like, actually for men, they have to look expressive and active and alive. Like this is total subjectification for men and objectification for women, right? Like women don't need to have expressions and feelings and, and you know, facial movement. Like, why should they? They're just going to sit there quietly and be cheerful and pleasant and nice to look at. Whereas men have to like talk and share their experience and be alive and move, you know? And again, like I have no issue with Botox as an individual choice for anyone, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that these are binary gender weird standards that are so stereotyped at this point that if a man walked into an injector's office, he wouldn't even be he wouldn't even be offered the option like nobody would say to him, hey, would you like to look more masculine or more feminine? It would just be assumed like you want to look more masculine because you're a man. And if somebody, you know, likewise, I, I had the thought, OK, you know, just play this out in my head. There are certain things that I like about the feminized look and there are certain things I like about the masculinized look. And since I identify as non-binary, this makes total sense. Right. So maybe my ideal would be in between. What if I went to someone and I said, OK, here's what I want. I want like the 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 poreless um perfectly smooth skin of a feminized thing with the square jawline of a masculinized thing uh you know like i don't want to i don't want a heart-shaped face i don't want to look like weak and, and dainty i want to look strong and and structured and angular but i also want to have like the you know supple lips and the the frozen forehead you know whatever if i went somewhere and said these things like what would they do you know, like there is, from what I can gather from reading a bunch of stuff on the internet, there is no in-between. Nobody is out there just saying, we're making this up. It's a free-for-all. It's always like, oh, if you're a woman, you want to enhance and, and soften and fill and plump. And if you're a man, you want to um, sculpt and arch and, you know, like create a stronger profile. And I just, think it's fascinating. Um, personally, I, I, 
I'm tempted to do Botox because again, I think it's so interesting. I am not coming at this from a perspective of um, like insecurity, but I just think what an interesting experience it would be to not be able to move your face. And also what an interesting experience it would be to see other people respond to me when I couldn't move my face. Like, how would that go? What would change? Um, would I feel less emotion? Because some studies indicate that you feel less emotions when you can't move your face as much. And also that you feel less empathy because you can't move your face as much in response to others, uh, which is normally how we sort of feel empathy as we mirror other people's facial expressions on a subtle level. So to me, this whole thing is just fascinating. And I have like completely lost the thread of what I was supposed to or what I had planned on anyway, talking about in today's episode. But um, I think it's just a really interesting topic that it, it deserves examination. It deserves us to like zoom out a little bit and consider these things, what the implications are, how weird it is that it's on this this super explicit gender binary, how there are no beauty ideals for non-binary folks. Like, what does that, what, what does that mean? I think that's kind of bizarre to think about too. Like there is no bi non-binary like uh, filler path or whatever. There is no assumption that you would want to look this way um, if you don't identify with wanting to be more masculine or more feminine. Because all of our beauty ideals are about the gender binary. We wouldn't even know what to do without that guiding our, our ideals, you know? Super interesting stuff. Um, anyway, I hope that this was interesting to you. I want to be super clear again that I do not judge any individual for any individual choice. I feel like it has to be said over and over and over that it is your body and it is your face and I support you doing whatever you want. And I invite more curiosity into these kinds of topics. Like I personally want to do Botox just to see what it feels like. And, and I am entitled to do that. And I would hope that you would be able to hear that and say, okay, this isn't like, you know, some sort of thing I need to judge Jesse for. Right. And I say that knowing that some of you are going to anyway, that some of you are probably set dead against this stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, people who do Botox or injections or whatever, they're just silly and frivolous and superficial and it's a waste of money and you're an idiot. And I would invite you to be curious about why you feel that way. Because again, I'm, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that any of these things are negative. But I will also say that a lot of people come to it from a place of feeling shame from feeling like they have to, from feeling like it will make them finally as confident and as worthy of love as they crave feeling, which of course we know is not going to work. It's just not. So, you know, it's a super complex, super interesting topic. I invite a lot of curiosity, no matter which side of the spectrum you come from, whether you've had injections or Botox, or you do a ton of beauty work every day and you, you know, get your brows done and your nails done and your hair done and you sculpt your face with contouring or if you do none of these things and think all of these things are completely ridiculous like it is undeniably an interesting social phenomenon at the moment and if you watch certain shows as i do you can't help but notice like there is no avoiding the fact that we are moving a direction of such intense technologically driven homogeneity among women, particularly, although, you know, in rising measures uh, among men as well, that there's 
there is fallout, right? There is a response happening in our brains and bodies. And a lot of this aligns with social media stuff, too, because the, the look that these women are going for on TV is often very similar to what influencers are doing with either filters or all of the same kind of money and time and energy investment as the sort of traditional celebrities from TV or music or movies or whatever. So um, that's everything that I wanted to <laughs> I guess, say on that topic. And this was in no way the topic I thought I was going to talk about today. But that's okay. This is the free-flowing style of this podcast. I'm here to share things I find interesting about body uh, image, body neutrality, body liberation, the gender binary, etc., etc. Because, of course, body image issues are not about your body. That is the whole point. They are about so much more. And so many interesting topics inform them that we often completely miss. You know, these types of topics tend to be totally invisible and I want to make them visible. So that's it. And thank you for listening. And I will catch you next time.